episode 411, The Marvels. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvels, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery. I am a comic book writer. I am a comic book fan. I am a movie fan. And when you take the Marvel movies, you got some peanut butter, you got some chocolate, and together, they taste great. Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes they don't taste so great at all. We'll talk about it. But for right now, when I say we, I mean it's you. Dear listeners, it's me, and it's that voice you heard laughing over there. That is Samantha. Hello. Hi, Samantha. How's it going? I'm okay. How are you? <laughs> feeling better. <laughs> I'm feeling better. Yeah. Sorry. Right. The the COVID finally caught up to me after three and a half years. Seriously, like this is yeah. you were you were a hard quarry to catch there. And my husband works in a hospital, like a trauma one. Everybody who was seriously sick went to his hospital and it took us three and a half years. Not going to say go into politics or social issues, but yeah, we followed the rules. (laughs) It gotcha. It It finally got us. Yeah. Well, yeah. So here we are. Samantha Stewart is not with us, but he did send in a recording and we are going to play that recording at the end of our discussion. Our post credit discussion is going to be to talk about a movie, not a movie, a book that came out recently. And it is not the Ant-Man book that I could not get through. Uh, that's my review of the book. I couldn't, I could, I could not get through chapter one. <laughs> that's it just, uh, it felt very, very cutesy and fan fictiony and that's not a bad thing it wasn't doesn't mean it was poorly written but it was clearly not for me and i'm struggling actually to kind of figure out like who would enjoy this um it just felt like the kind of thing that my daughters would write when they were into writing like marvel movie skits and stuff so yeah i got so, you yeah anyway anyway i've written not- that kind of stuff <laughs> Not gonna lie, I probably have too. But yeah, uh, yeah. So it's not it's not look out for the little guy. It is another book. It is a much bigger book. It is a hefty tome, if you would. And we will be talking about that for our post credit discussion. But for right now, we are here to talk about the Marvels, which means I need to quickly just put out there our spoiler policy. Our spoiler policy when we have a conversation is we do not talk about anything that we haven't already talked about. So that means that we will not be mentioning Loki season two, episode three, four, five, or six. As much as I would prefer to be talking about Loki season two, episode three, four, five, and six. Oh Oh my gosh. I'd prefer to be talking about that, but that's something that will be happening. It'll happen in a couple weeks. We got, we got some time here. It's, it's okay. It's, I know, I know what's happening. You don't have to calm down. Calm me down. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But we won't be talking about it here because we haven't talked about it on the podcast. And the other thing is when we talk about movies, we usually do a spoiler free opening, which is what we're doing right now. 
and then we play our spoiler sounder. And then after the spoiler sounder, all bets are off and we will talk about the movie with complete and utter spoilage. And so this opening time, we're going to talk about our theater experience. We're going to talk about uh, our general observations and overview of the film. And we are probably going to give, I don't know, probably just go with like five marvels out of you know how to how many marvels out of five would you give this movie i mean technically there are only three marvels in the movie there was a ms marvel a captain marvel another character who in the comics was named captain marvel for a while but she changed her name so someone else could have it but well we'll go with marvels okay that's just what i'm gonna go with yeah okay <laughs> so yeah uh so let's start with theater experience. Who'd you go with? How many people were in the theater with you? I went went with my friend Kelly. Hi, Kelly. There were at least 50 people in the theater, I think. So there, I mean, there was a decent crowd for early Friday afternoon matinee. And um, we enjoyed the movie. It was great. I mean, well, just sitting in there... Um, but thinking back on it, I had some criticisms, but we had a good time. It was, it was, it was a lot more fun than I was expecting because the last time we talked, I was telling you that, you know, considering the way things had gone with the MCU recently, I just was not thrilled to see the Marvels and I was terrified it was going to be bad. And it was a lot better than I expected. How was the theater audience responding to it? Uh, there was a lot of laughter and a lot of groaning. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good groaning? It was more like groaning and laughing at the same time. Okay. All right. So that's, yeah. I would call that good groaning. Like you're you're laughing. You're still laughing, but you're laughing because it's dumb kind of yeah. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my theater experience, I went alone and it was Thursday night. It was not a late show. It was a, I think it was 6.30 showing. And there were six other people in the theater with me. Mm. It was dead, just dead. And uh, just to give you a heads up, like if you haven't seen the movie yet, there are, well, there's one post-credit scene, one post-credit scene. I watched it by myself because everyone left. So, and there were times in the past where I actually would say to people, Hey, don't leave. There's more, there's more. And cause I went ahead and, you know, I would look it up and see how many post-credit scenes there were. And I did look it up ahead of time, actually not ahead of time after the first post-credit scene that I knew was coming. I looked it up to see if there's a second one. There's not, but I went ahead and stayed for the whole movie uh, credits just to, just to stay. And there is a sound effect at the end that, you know, it, it's a cutesy thing. It's, yeah. It's there and it's referencing the, the movie and it's cute. I was expecting at least a title card at the end that would say something like Captain Marvel will return or Ms. Marvel will return or something like that. But they didn't have anything like that. So, but uh, yeah, uh, it was dead and there was a little bit of laughter. Uh, I did not laugh much myself, but I did chuckle a little bit kind of under my breath, I guess. And, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 talk about it. But how many Marvels out of five would you give 
this movie? Looking at our rating system, uh, three and a half out of five, which is not bad. I mean, it sounds terrible, <laughs> but if you put it on the on the ten star system it, or the ten Marvel system or whatever, it's or the ten point <laughs> system. It's a seven out of ten, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. technically that's you're in C or D territory, though, with if you're looking at grading it in in a public school situation. Um, but I really enjoyed it more than I expected. So I feel like I want to give it one and a half stars there. <laughs> like extra stars? Yeah, yeah, I feel like it. But at the same time, I know that when I go back tr- to rewatch it at some point, I'm going to be looking at it more critically. Because you know me, I, I have to watch it first just to see if I enjoy it and just to go with the flow. And then the second time, I'm more critical. That's why I don't like doing these movie reviews because I can't go back so easily when I don't have my movie subscription to my theater. Well, I would give it, this is hard. When I think of how many Marvels or stars or whatever's um, out of five, I think I'm looking at a 2.5. I I really do. Uh, It just... It was silly. It was inoffensive. It was not groundbreaking, but also not earth-shakingly bad. You know, like it, it wasn't a horrible movie, but it also wasn't a wonderful movie for me. And there were moments of fun. There were moments where I was groaning and saying, that's just plain stupid <laughs> and then you put it in the context of the mcu the larger mcu secret invasion end game captain marvel the, the first movie ms marvel yeah and when you do that i'm just thinking to myself this feels inconsequential and there are some definite highlights to the movie Ms. Marvel, I would say, is probably one of the biggest highlights of the movie as as a character. Uh, there is some genuine moments where there's there's a lesson to be learned. There's our our characters are learning lessons. It's mm-hmm. breezy. It's fast. It's ninety minutes long. I feel like I might have given it another star if they just had another extra ten minutes to kind of slow things down a little bit uh, and. Yeah, it just, to me, this is in the the lower end of of the Marvel movies, which is really unfortunate. How did you like it compared to um, Ant-Man 3? Oh, I definitely liked Ant-Man 3 more. Really? You're the first person I've met that said that they preferred Ant-Man 3 more. Oh, no, definitely. Definitely. Although they definitely felt like they were cut of the same cloth. Yes. Because both of them are, a majority of the movie is taking place in, you know, for Ant-Man 3, it's in inner space. And for the Marvels, they're going to like, they're going to other planets and stuff. And they're, you know, it's, it's a cosmic movie. It's not quite as cosmic as maybe Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's cut of that cloth too, where, you know, they're traveling from place to place. They're, they're going on an adventure and they're seeking out 
uh, solutions to the problem by going from place to place to find, you know, people who can help and things that can help. And, um, but it just, part of it was the length, I think, because you didn't have a lot of time to just rest in one place and allow the jokes to simmer, you know, guardians of the galaxy. That's one of the things that they would do well is that we'd take some time to build the joke up. And then when it happens, it's a little more explosive of laughter. Yeah. Yeah. So there is some great moments in this movie. And I wouldn't, I just see some people say that this fight scene was one of the best fight scenes of all, you know, Marvel movies. And I'm just, I'm not going to go that far, but there is a really creative fight scene toward the beginning. And there is at the very least, there's character development for all three of the leads. And if you want to throw Nick Fury in as a fourth lead, not a lot of character development for him. But I'll say this. You don't have to watch Secret Invasion to understand this movie. Oh, no, not at all. No. And I'm not surprised. I mean, Secret Invasion could be... I am surprised. But... Secret Invasion, when looking at this movie, could be pruned from the timeline. (laughs) You're right. You're right. Secret Invasion was not needed at all for this movie to make sense. You do want to see Captain Marvel. You want to see Endgame and Infinity War. You want to see Ms. Marvel, the show. Uh, you probably need to see WandaVision, or at least the episodes that included Rambeau, to see what she's talking about. But the one thing that they also do, and I appreciated this, for both Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel, we get a little bit of a recap of their origin. And for Ms. Marvel, it's this creative thing that they did, which we'll talk about, I'm sure for captain Marvel. It's literally just flashback (laughs) to her, her past. And, and then for flashbacks for all three of them, but we'll get into that. Well, was there flashbacks for Rambo? Yes. I know she talked about it, but I don't remember seeing, Oh, Oh, you're yeah. Gotcha. Yes. I'm afraid to say more before the organ. Yeah, no, I, I, I get, I, I remember what you're saying now. Yeah. Um. So, am I disappointed? No. Am I pleasantly surprised? No. Did I enjoy myself at the movies? Sure. Did I feel like I wasted? I don't know. What was it six bucks? No, no. It's a Marvel movie. I went and saw it. That's what I do, and I enjoyed myself. But did I enjoy myself a whole lot? No. I I enjoyed it, but at the same time, I could just feel that it was missing. A, I, won't, I won't say heart. I think there was a lot of heart in it. It's just, I feel like it was missing a cohesiveness with uh, the other, some of the other parts of the universe. Yeah. 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 Uh, so here was my fear. And, and so stop me <laughs> if I start doing this. My fear was, and I was rather hoping to have both you and Stuart on here to kind of balance me out a little bit. So I don't want to like yuck your yum, as we say, but I'm, I might be yucking some people's yum as we talk about this episode <laughs> or this. Okay, Eeyore. This movie. So, all right, we're going to play the spoiler organ and then we are going to open it up. We can talk about anything we want to, any way we want to. And that's 
with full-on spoilers. So here we go. Spoilers. 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 Okay. So one of the things we do a lot of times is talk about the different quadrants that I have kind of set up for myself to talk about review uh, movies, books, TVs, comics, that kind of thing. And the four quadrants are style, they are plot, they are characters, and they are themes. That's the four the four different quadrants. Style talks about the you know the filmmaking, the energy, the effects, and that sort of thing. Plot is obviously the story. Characters are obviously the characters. Themes are what is this movie trying to say? And this is what I found most interesting about this movie is that this one actually was trying to say quite a bit uh, about family, about friendship, about forgiveness, about making up for your past sins, reconciliation, I guess would be what, what I would call that. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie and it's not all bad, but yeah. It's also not all all good. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, turns out to be somewhat of a villain by accident. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say it's she turns out to be somewhat of a villain in the sense that she was doing the right thing, but it caused a lot of pain for other people in the process. Yeah. yeah. And and then that causes them, they, they start calling her the Annihilator. Yeah. She doesn't like that name. Well, who would like that name when it's being used the way that they're using it? And it, it goes back to Civil War. It goes back to the themes of Civil War about, you know, responsibility of being a superhero to the civilians. Yeah, yeah. Protecting the civilians. Yeah. And so that's one of the things I really liked about this was then the, you know, part of the emotional climax, if not the actual climax, but part of the emotional climax is for Captain Marvel to say, okay, wait a minute. And and they come up with a plan together, you know, wait a minute, I can restart your son. Yeah. And this is also another one of those movies that could have been, you know, all the hurt could have been prevented early on. If somebody decided to sit down and have a conversation with Carol Danvers. Oh, yeah. But, you know, that doesn't just happen because that would be boring. So at the end here, she there, she's saying, I can do this. I need to do this. I'm going to do this. And the bad guy's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And then the bad guy's like, tricked you. I'm not actually going to do this. I'm still going to steal your power stuff. And I'm still going to do my nefarious plan because I want revenge. And so you don't get a redemption arc for the villain, which is really where I thought they were going to go. It was a redemption arc for the villain as well. But then they're like, at the end, everyone's spreading out and going to their different places and, you know, going home and, and that kind of thing. And Captain Marvel's like, I got a promise to keep. And she goes, takes the bands and restarts the sun. And that's a nice moment. And I really like yeah. it. And there's some growth for Carol Danvers there. There's growth where she accepts Camilla Khan. There's there's growth where she takes responsibility 
for something that she may not have done on purpose, but it happened because of things that she did. And that's something that I try. It's hard to teach my children this, but it's something I really tried to teach my children is even if you didn't do something on purpose, if you caused someone pain, you need to make up for it. You need to yeah. say you're sorry, you know, and especially if you cause someone pain and you're feeling sorry, you, you tell them I'm sorry. But uh, if you cause someone pain, even if it's indirectly, you have still have some responsibility there to, to help them with what's, what's going on and help them with the aftermath of the pain you've caused. Now, if you've done it on purpose, then you definitely need to be helping them with the aftermath of the pain you've caused, which depending on how you're doing it, you know, you may need to back away and, and not be a part of that. There, there's, you have to read the situation and that's where it gets hard is to read the situation. But, you know, it's, it's hard also to teach someone, especially young children, but even older children that you may have done this on accident, but you were a part of it and it does come from a consequence of your actions. And so we need to take care of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and that's what Carol gets here is she gets this moment where she's like, I got a promise to keep. I made a promise to a really bad person who ended up trying to kill us, but <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's also it's nice. sort of recycles the store, the, the basic plot of Black Panther, the first one where the, the bad guy rolls in and says, Hey, you've done stuff that's hurt a lot of people. and then they realize, and then the hero realizes, oh yeah, the bad guy is right. Yeah, it's just the the problem with both of those bad guys is they're right, but they're hurting people, and as they're dealing with being right. Yeah, and uh, I can't even. This is the bad thing about this movie. I do not remember the name of the villain at all. I don't either. She's Cree. That's really all I remember about her. Um, I did read somewhere she's married to Tom Hiddleston. What? Yeah. They got, he got married? I did not know that. I had no idea. I read it, though. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting what I read. But the headline was, you know, two different, you know, they're married, but they both had their Marvel thing come on the, the same weekend with the Loki okay. finale. And and the Marvels. Darben is the character. And I'll probably not remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Although I should remember Darman, who is a YouTuber that my son used to watch a lot. And we would watch and and tease. But <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I like that arc. I, I like the family arc that goes on there. And, and I like the where, I mean, Carol does this with, with Camilla too, where she straight up apologizes and says, Hey, I am sorry that I talked to you like that. I'm sorry that I treated you like that. Yeah. And, you know, as they're trying to figure out how to work with each other and, uh, Oh man. And that is another point. And to Monica and Monica. Yeah. Oh, she hurt Monica so much. Well, that was even worse. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that one the the relationship between her and Monica is one where it wasn't accidental. It wasn't yeah. a heat of the moment thing. Like with Camilla, it feels almost like a heat of the moment thing. I'm in, I'm irritated, I'm angry, and I don't want a kid tagging along at my heels. 
the Cree stuff, I, I did what I had to do to help who I needed to help. And unfortunately it caused big problems for you. I really should have taken care of this earlier, you know? Yeah. But with Monica, it was, I just don't feel like coming back yet. <laughs> and, and talking to this person who came back from the blip with her mother gone. Oh, yeah. So we get that flashback, but here's what I don't remember. We did not get a flashback to her powers though, right? We got her talking about it. She says it. She says, oh, uh, a witch made a hex spell that I went through an energy field and I came out with powers. And it's it's just in the living room of the, the Khan household. Um, yeah, they only talked about it. They didn't show it. Okay. Any- so that's what I was talking about when I said we didn't need a flashback. But I completely forgot about this flashback you're talking about, which was the heavy flashback that is the emotional origin story, I guess. Not yeah. the not the superpower emotions, uh, superpower backstory. I totally forgot about that. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. When Monica snaps back and they show the, those clips from WandaVision. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. So here's the thing. And, and this is my issue right now with the, with the MCU. And this is, I, you, know, you hear people talking about superhero fatigue. You hear people talking about how, you know, the, every Marvel movie is doing worse than the last. And, and this is, this movie is the death of MCU and, and things like that. But as I was thinking about it, what I've kind of realized, and I, I don't remember, is this considered phase four still? Yes. Okay. So we're still in phase four. Um, We've had actually, more. This is the last movie in phase four. This is? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, no. This is, it? yeah, yeah. It's the last movie in phase four. Okay. Yeah. So phase four, if you take all of the officially recognized phase four hours and take all the officially recognized phase one, two, and three hours of, so that means you're not including Netflix or agents of shield or we'll talk about that later. (laughs) Yeah. In our post credit, but phase four is longer than phase three. Well, there was a pandemic in the middle of it, but it's, there are more hours in phase four than there are in phase three. Oh, that's what I mean. Like not, not a longer period of time, but longer as in more hours. Yeah. But here's the problem. And this is, I've been thinking about this. Every single thing in phase four with a few minor exceptions is actually looking backward to end game. And everything in phase one, two, and three is looking forward to Endgame. And the difference between the two is with phase one, two, and three, there was a destination that they were headed toward. And it might have changed along the way. And some, you know, some of the focus might have changed along the way. And some of the execution and the plan of what they were going to do might have changed along the way. But this entire phase four has been looking back and reacting to Endgame. So you have Spider-Man, uh, No Way Home. I have a nickname home. for it. I have a nickname what? for it. Let me hear it. Phase four is Endgame's hangover. <laughs> I'll take that. I like okay. that. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, 
So everything is responding to what happened in Endgame. Everything is responding to the blip. And Hawkeye is responding to all of that stuff. And Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is responding to all of that stuff. Loki is responding in a lot of ways to that stuff. uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, that's one of the exceptions where they kind of are breaking free from that. And post-credit scenes are trying to break free from that, but they aren't actually giving any sense of where we're going. And that's not a bad thing if it was just standalone goodness. But it's not standalone goodness. It is looking backward. It is looking back and saying... We're going to respond to this, and then we're going to drop a little tidbit about Kang here, and then we're going to do this, and we're going to drop a little tidbit about Kang there, and we're going to do this, and it just it feels less than. And and so Shang-Chi would be maybe one of the uh, exceptions, because yeah. that it referenced the blip a little bit, but it wasn't like responding to the blip. Yeah. 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 So, but it's all looking back at the blip. It's all looking back at losing Tony. It's all looking back at the past and a good to me. And this is life lesson here. Okay. You need to, Look at the past and recognize the past so you can move forward. But moving forward is what you've got to do. You've got to keep moving forward. you got to be a shark. Because if, if you don't keep moving forward, no, no, you no, drown. No, 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 no. You're a you dragonfly. Drown. You're a dragonfly. Sure, dragonfly, a shark, I don't care. Keep moving it, forward is what I'm saying. <laughs> so. Yes, but a shark does not look back at the past. A shark just keeps moving forward and eating everything in it that it sees. But its eyes are on the side of its head. It can still see behind it a little bit, I think. Ah, that's true, yeah. It's, it does have a pretty wide, like 200-plus degree field of vision, I think. Did you know goats have almost 360-degree field of vision? What? Oh. I, well, the, yeah, they because their pupils and, yeah, and their eyes on the sides of their heads, yeah. But they yeah, don't I have can... any depth perception. No, sheep. I'm oh. talking about sheep now. Sheep oh, don't sheep. have depth perception. Yeah, they, yeah so they, they actually don't navigate stairs very well but but if you come up behind them they're going to see you yeah that's true so anyway but they're also neither here nor there (laughs) (laughs) i prefer goats over sheep because goats are actually very intelligent and funny they have a great sense of humor (laughs) they do i dealt with goats for a while at a camp and it was not fun it was not fun they were pains in the old patoot so maybe it's because of the particular goats that i worked with on this farm because the owners babied their goats and like like raised them and like seriously like babied them when they were kids and so these were actually really it's a small herd and really well behaved herd so our goats i'm not gonna say this well no i've i've our goats were murdered oh like straight up murdered we we got up in the morning and our three goats were dead with oh. a very strange wound on their head. Oh. Yeah, it was weird. And then we got new ones, and two weeks later, same thing happened. Hmm. And then we got new ones, and I can't remember what kind of goats they were, but they were the kind that were like, uh, they looked like 
deer almost. And those things could jump over every single fence and we couldn't get wow. them to keep them in the, we couldn't get them in the fence. We couldn't keep them in the fence. We finally put them in the shed barn thing that we had with a, a two foot by two foot window that was five feet off the ground. They jumped through that window. Wow. It got out of the shed and jumped over the fence. So we had to get rid of those ones. So, oh gosh. so those ones never got a chance to get murdered, but anyway, that's crazy. It was, it was wild. It sounded like that farm needed some uh, security cameras. It, 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 it wasn't a, it wasn't a farm. It was a, a camp. We had an open field and a lot of fencing ah, and, okay. and things like that, but um, it was a camp. Well, we needed, we needed something there and you know, it was a very weird, weird situation that, you know, so there was jokes are made like it was a chupacabra or whatever, or, you know, and then it was also like, it's a cult thing. What was going on? It was just very weird. Very, very strange. Okay. That's neither here nor there. Yes. So moving back to this, is there anything thematically you want to talk about before we move on? Not in the theme. Cause we covered it all. Okay. So, yeah. so let's, I mean, there's probably stuff we've missed with that, but yeah the surface level stuff it's there and there's some deeper stuff there. And I appreciate it. I do appreciate that, which is probably why it's 2.5 stars instead of 1.5 stars for me, because I, that there were some resonating themes going on there. Yeah. Characters. That would be our next stop. Nick Fury. He's there. He's there. <laughs> and I think the only thing he does is, is, uh, take care of Kamala's family and figure out a really interesting way to evacuate people off of the, the, um, not sh- the sword ship. The, the, yeah, the, the satellite. Yeah. He is there for the B plot and yep. man, I don't know if we needed that B plot. I hate to say the phrase phoning it in, but he sort of did. You know, he's, he's getting old. He's getting old. And so, you know, some of his action <laughs> was just him getting pushed into a chair and then pulling a gun, you know, like it's, yeah. but there's some funny moments with him and yeah, Kamala's family, are. you know, and, uh, and goose and goose. And then all That's... the eggs, <laughs> the goose that laid the alien eggs. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't think about the, the cats or the, the furling's name is goose. And yeah. Goose laid 30 eggs. <laughs> yeah. Why did they have to... This is something I missed. Uh, why did they have to... What was happening to the space station that caused them to have to evacuate it? Was there actually, like, there sabotage? There, I don't... I missed that, too. There wasn't enough space on the pods to get everybody off safely. But why do they need to get off? I mean, th- things were blowing up. Because things were things malfunctioning were, because there were fo- there things were fo- um, on fire and blowing up and yeah, but why? That's what I that's what I, I completely I missed. That missed. Too. Yeah, I got the impression it was caused by these alien ball things, which turned out to be eggs that goose laid all over the place. Apparently, which is a funny reveal. But then it's like, wait a minute. So is the space station falling apart because of those things? And I don't think it was. But I completely missed it. I completely missed that part of the B plot as to why that was happening. And 
the but the solution I'm glad they went there because in my mind I'm like dude you've got all these kitten things they can just eat the people and then they did it and if they hadn't done it I would have been upset because they missed out on a good joke yeah I mean that was one of my laughing groaning moments yeah and that and uh, the song memories from the musical score Bats. in the background yeah <laughs> Which I have to say, memory. That was probably the best, best version of the song's memories seen in the on the big screen. Considering that awful (laughs) movie that came out a couple years ago, which I I still haven't seen. I don't care to see it. And poor Andrew Lloyd Webber. He had such a horrible time with that movie that he adopted a dog. His first dog. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah that <laughs> he he got a therapy dog i mean it was just it, it was more than it was a comfort dog he deserved it he deserved, he deserved it. it he deserved <laughs> comfort he deserved comfort yeah. yeah so uh so it's funny but i feel like it's just happening just to happen it's like they had the idea for the scene and then they had to figure out how do we make it so that the scene can happen instead of yeah following you know, I, I just didn't understand quite why they why they had to do that but again it made for some funny moments as they're evacuating you have 30 kittens on the the shuttle and they're all floating around uh when, once the shuttle has no gravity and they start throwing up <laughs> as they're getting ready to crash land which is funny because hey if enough of them throw up enough of those people they're just going to be crammed in there like, yeah. like sardines that could have been funny but all of nick fury's character development in secret invasion wasn't needed all the stuff he did nope. in secret invasion where he's dealing with the fact that they didn't get the scrawls a planet before that the end of his show it wasn't needed this movie nope. was was in production the scrolls have a planet the timeline still works and can work uh, by putting, you know, they they get put on that planet, apparently, after Secret Invasion. But it just, you know, because the whole Secret Invasion is all about how you didn't do your promise. You and Captain Marvel promised us this, and it didn't happen. Nope. But he goes up to space, and then it happens. In time for this movie. And I really don't want to think about or harp about uh, Secret Invasion too much more, but you could erase it from MCU history and no one would even notice if you're going between Captain Marvel and this movie. You'd never even know. Well, if I was a TVA analyst, I would definitely prune Secret Invasion. Oh my gosh. It had so much, so much potential and it started out so strong. Yeah. And it just fell under the weight of everything it was trying to do. And, but we're not here to talk about that. No. We're no, not here no, to no, talk no. about a six hour mini series that was four hours too long and should have been a two and a half hour movie. No, we're here to talk about a 90 minute movie <laughs> that maybe should have been closer to two hours. Uh, other characters, Camilla's family. I wish there had been more of her supporting cast, but mom dad, brother, they all happen to be home when the powers start getting swapped. And 
the powers start getting swapped and they're able to bring things with them when they swap, uh, like the cat and the cat has Cree and the cat throws up the Cree. And so now you have, this is what I was talking about when this is a really creative fight scene. So much fun, so much creativity where they are swapping locations and just continuing the fight. Oh yeah. 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 That was great. So much fun. So much fun. And so you get mom and dad involved and they're trying to do some things and it gets a little bit too goofy in my opinion, but not so far over the edge that it's ruins the movie, but it's a goofiness that keeps people entertained and it works for the plot of, uh, or the complication of switching places whenever they use their powers at the same time. And that's a, it all works. That's a fun complication too. Yes. Yes. And they have a very good explanation for it, uh, about the, the, uh, oh, whatever the portal technology is that they are using to travel from planet to planet. They're connected with that. And then that's also connected to Camilla's powers. And so they're switching back and forth the training montage then where they're trying to figure out how do we make this work? And so they're doing all these different little training things where they're, you know, with ping pong balls and, um, and switching. And if, if you use the powers at the same time, then they'll switch. I feel like in the big battle, on the water planet, they broke the rule a little bit. Like, and it might be, I might be wrong, but I feel like there were times when two of them were flying at the same time and they didn't switch. Or Camilla is like jumping on her little platforms and someone else is flying and they don't switch. But that's something I'd, I'd need to go back and rewatch to see if it actually is breaking their own rules. I need to talk about the water planet. You know why? I I I do, and and <laughs> go ahead. Uh, so if go anyone ahead. was jonesing for an MCU musical, you got it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, and this is the moment where I felt like, okay, this is something that's crazy that could have happened in Guardians of the Galaxy, and I kind of wish Guardians of the Galaxy went to this planet. No. But I also like that, I mean, as soon as Carol said, oh, I helped out the prince with a legal issue, I was like, oh my gosh, she married the prince. Funny. Or, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. But then, their language is music. And they can only understand you if you're singing. <laughs> but they sing in English and in English rhymes. Yes. And so you, you say you'd like to see this in the guardians of the galaxy. I say it would, it, it would work just as bad there. Like it, it's that trope of everyone knows English. And in this situation, it does not work at all for me. I hated the scene. I, knew I hated would. it. <laughs> I what? knew you would. I knew it. I knew you would. No, it, I, I it was a step too far, a step yeah. too far. And there's just, uh, now it did give, give us one of the funniest laugh lines. One of the funniest groaners of the movie 
is when he just starts talking to her and they're like, <laughs> I thought he had to sing. He's bilingual. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Put it in a sitcom, put it in the Orville, put it, you know, but this is where we are stepping into, I hate to bring this up, but I'm, I'm bringing it up. This is where that whole scene was lower decks. It's a yeah. funny concept, but they're shoehorning it into a universe that doesn't do that. Yeah. And so the, a, a planet where people speak through music, I actually have a story I'm working on right now. It's really hard to write because I'm, I'm writing about, you know, a, an alien race that doesn't use language with words. It uses language with musical tones. And that would I, make more sense. That makes sense. Yeah. But a planet where everyone sings in English and it rhymes. So it's not just a translation. It's not a translation because if it was a translation, it wouldn't necessarily rhyme and it wouldn't flow and have the same rhythm. That's very difficult to translate from one language to another and keep the, the meter and keep the language, uh, you know, the, the, the sounds rhyming, it's not easy to do. It's almost impossible to do it well, mm -hmm. unless you're doing, you know, you, you haven't really experienced Shakespeare until you've experienced it in its original Klingon, but <laughs> yeah, I just, and so as soon as they do that, I know I'm overthinking things. <laughs> I don't care. I don't like it, <laughs> but did you like it? That's the question. Like, Stuart did, I think, if I remember correctly from, from his message that we're going to play. But did, did you like? I am not generally not a fan of musicals. I have an issue. I, I just feel like most of the time, um, unless you really know what you're doing, most of the time the music slows down the plot or slows down the tempo of, of, this, of the whole movie or the story. Um. Uh, a good example of where that does not happen is Hamilton because it's such a, most of the songs are so fast paced that you're in, and the story moves inside the songs. So it's just, it just keeps going and going and going and going. And before you know it, two and a half hours have passed. But I mean, like most musicals, like most Disney cartoon musicals ever, or or any like old time musicals anytime you hit the the any musical number it just slows down the pace and i just and i'm sitting there like with my eyes glazing over waiting for the song to be over because they're talking about their feelings in the moment not necessarily moving the plot forward so and that's what i felt during that whole sequence was Okay, the joke is that this planet only sings in music. I'm going to have to sit here for the next five to ten minutes just waiting for them to get through one song about how they're glad that Carol has returned to the planet. So, here's the fix. You say, and you actually, this is just a line of dialogue. One line of dialogue fixes this whole thing for me. And of course, they didn't consult me, but you say they communicate in music and they learned English and made this song 
for her when she returns. And yeah. that's why it just makes sense. As soon as they realize it's her, they jump into place. They chore- It's choreographed. They've learned it. And it's beautiful. And it's embarrassing. And But it does mean you don't get the conversational singing back and forth between her and the prince. But that's the fix for me. It just, that's all you have to do. And, and I, I'm like, I'm with you. And I probably wouldn't have, I, I, the, that if they had done that in that scene, it might've raised it up to a 3.0 for me <laughs> instead of a 2.5. But it just, it, I, I crossed my arms and I just was like, no, this is not, not good. Not good for me. I appreciate that people appreciate musical theater. It's just, I'm just not a musical theater person. I think I would have done more with at, with theater as a kid if if the only things that were available to me around me at the uh, where I lived was these old show tunes. I, on the other hand, am a musical theater person. I love show tunes. I and have I just, been in Fiddler on the Roof. I have been in My Fair Lady. I played. Eliza Doolittle's father in My Fair Lady. I played the rabbi in Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler I, on the Roof, I love. And yeah, that's one of the you, ones I love. If you do it well and you are presenting the emotional core of the moment, great. Yeah. If they had just been, this is again, like I said, a choreographed moment where they're like, the princess is here, choreographed. Dancing, lights, this is it, the night of nights. Just run with it. But unfortunately for me, it it was presented as they speak in song and they don't understand unless you're, you're singing, but they do understand English while you're singing. And it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't work. So that's all yeah. I have to say about that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, I wish that Carol had given uh, uh, Kamala and Monica like translators before they walked onto this planet or. Yes. Even that would have, that would have worked, especially we, we accept that in Doctor Who. We accept that in Star Trek. We accept that there are things, the babble fish in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the, Gal- yeah. the Galaxy. Or didn't they do some... Yeah, they did something similar in uh, Ant-Man 3. Was it mm-hmm. Eat the Goo or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it worked. I wish they had... Carol had given them little translators to, or upgraded their earpieces so they had a translation motion. Or just mentioned that she put a translator at yeah. one yeah. in those earpieces. That would have worked. And, so and these- I would have been much happier with this whole sequence if they had done that. Yeah. But these are all things that to me, unfortunately, if they were there, they were on the cutting room floor because they were just, I don't know why they were trimming this down so, so much, but yeah. to have more time slots in the theaters to get more people in, maybe so they can increase profits, <laughs> but let's talk about that. Hey, it was no. the worst opening weekend for a Marvel movie ever. Yeah, but it's for most movies this year. 
since the springtime, what, since May or so, a lot of movies have flopped. A lot of movies that, I mean, with maybe exception of Barbie and Oppenheimer. And Taylor Swift and Five Nights at Freddy's. Like there's, yeah, there's been some movies that have done well. Here's the interesting thing. Whenever you're looking at the, the headlines and they're talking about this weekend being the worst opening weekend for a Marvel movie. There's some circular reasoning going on with that. But, and I might be contributing to the circular reasoning by saying this, but the opening weekend for all of the top 10 movies this past weekend, all of them put together made less than Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania's opening weekend. Yeah. So it was like $80 million for all 10 of the top 10 movies. And Ant-Man and the Wasp made a hundred and some. It was low, but it was, it was still over a hundred million dollars for their opening weekend. You know, so I bet part that of it tells was... me that some of it is the Marvel's, was not the big movie that they wanted it to be. And so it didn't bring people to the theaters, but it also says people just weren't going to the theaters as well. Yeah. And I bet with uh, secret invasion leading up in the summer, because Loki really didn't have that much to do with the Marvels. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, with secret invasion leading up, I mean, I, last time we talked on this podcast, I really wasn't interested in seeing the Marvels because secret invasion was terrible. But here's the thing, and, and this is another problem for why this one didn't have some of the momentum and urgency. If this had come out, say, I don't know, February or whatever, if this mm-hmm. had come out a month after Ms. Marvel, would this have been different? Oh, I think so. And think, yeah, the other thing I, I was looking at, I think that it's been, what, five years, four years since Captain Marvel? So the first movie in this series, in this sub-series of the MCU, is four years old. And that's, that's another problem for the MCU when they have so many different branches, so to speak, that they want to follow. And so you have the Captain America movies, you have the Black Panther movies, you have the Iron Man movies, you have all these different... And when you're doing that and you can only do what three, four movies a year, that means some of them, there's going to be a long, long break in between them. And your actors are getting old. You know, uh, Samuel Jackson was what? 60 something when this started and he's 70 something now. Yeah. And they're, they're getting old. I mean, even, even Brie Larson looks like she's getting older, you know, she's changing and she doesn't look like, like not like Sam Jackson old, but, mm-hmm. but you know, she's, she's five years older than when they started doing her movies and they, and they brought her in the first time or whatever. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, when we were, I didn't mention it when we were discussing uh, no way home, but the character Peter Parker was supposed to be what? 16, 17 maybe 18 at the time. Uh, and Tom Holland looks much older. He, he definitely looks like he's in his mid twenties now. He is in his mid twenties. He was yeah. in his mid twenties, but he was, he was playing 18 and no way home. Cause they just yeah. graduated high school. Yeah. 
or they were about to graduate or yeah, they were about to graduate. I think they were definitely in their senior year. Well, they year. did. They, they were, they were getting accepted to college. And then when the, when the movie ends, it's, I think it's winter of freshman year in college in that last scene. Okay. That might've been uh, a time. What do you call it? A time, time jump. jump. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but it's a time jump of a few months because they were in high school and we didn't see the graduation ceremony the same way we did with Andrew Garfield, but yeah, they were, they yeah. were definitely, uh, it was senior year or, or yeah, so Tom Holland is now the same age that Tobey Maguire was when he starred in the first Spider-Man movie <clears throat> that he did. I remember that because that movie came out the same month that I graduated from high school. So I'm like, I was thinking, oh, Peter Parker, he's the same age as me. Nope. <laughs> no, he looked way older than 18. <laughs> nope. Yeah, it was. But it worked. I mean, they, 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 they. They got yeah, good well, actors, you know, and, and that's one thing I will say is we're talking about the characters, the actors that they have here are strong actors. Yeah. They're strong actors, but. Which really gave them great chemistry. Yeah. 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 So plot wise, I'm not happy. Plot wise, I'm not enjoying myself. Plot wise, I've seen this before. We'll see yeah. it again. Uh they tried hard and they feel like they did their best to come up with a villain who has a good motivation. But then it's, it's still over the top mustache twirling kind of villainy that you have going on there. And I mean, she's leading a, an entire race of people, entire planet of people. And they're all just like, yeah, we'll go along with this plan. <laughs> You go do it. Have fun. We'll stay here. Uh, so anyway, that just it. Hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. And what it is, is a 90 minute diversion that could be worse. Yeah, it could be a lot worse. And we were laughing through it. So. So. What else do you have in your notes? Spectrum name. It's only mentioned once, but Monica's never really referred to as Spectrum. No. I, mean, I thought that was interesting. Nice little joke about, like, what is your superhero name? Yeah. I don't want one. Uh, but Camilla keeps workshopping one. <laughs> Professor Marvel. Dr. Marvel. She, she the, the character and the actress, she they're fans. They're just fans. They're going to do their fangirl things. And I just adore that about her. Because that's me too. I'm a fan. And I'm going to do fangirl things. <laughs> like scream at the post credit. <laughs> when I heard a certain someone's voice. Kelsey Grammer. I heard his voice and I screamed. Did you really? Yeah, I did. <sighs> Maybe less of a scream and more of a giant gasp. Very audible gasp. He was a very bright blue. Very bright blue. Very bright blue. It's MCU blue. No, it's... it. it honestly, it felt like uh, X-Men cartoon blue. 
Like I, I feel like they were kind of referencing more the X-Men cartoon and less the X-Men movies, but it is definitely Kelsey Grammer. And it's Kelsey Grammer. that voice was not, you knew who you were hearing. Yeah. Especially since I've been spending my Thursday mornings uh, watching Lower Decks and then the Frasier reboot. And now that Lower Decks is done, I've been also watching on Max, uh, what's it called? Scavenger Rain, I think is what it's called. But it's a sci-fi animated show, 12 episodes long. Fantastic. Hmm. Fantastic. It's all about a ship of people who they have to evacuate their ship and they are on an alien planet and they have to survive. And in some ways, it honestly feels a little bit like Lost, except that the different pockets of people haven't come back together yet. <laughs> like in Lost, they're all together. But in, in this, they're trying to get back to each other. And uh, yeah. So the last couple Thursdays, it's been that show and and Frasier. But I'll say this. If you like the original Frasier series, this is straight up made for you. It's funny. It's funny in the same way the old Frasier was. <clears throat> and in some ways, it's even better. Hmm. Because okay. it's, I'm not cringing as much at the uh, cluelessness of people. <laughs> so. Where is Frasier uh, being streamed? Cause Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. Okay, because I've considered watching it. And actually, Frasier was a show where I didn't start watching it until well until the series. And then as the series went on, I watched it more and more and more. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was watching Cheers in high school. And so Frasier. Yeah, my parents it, loved it. It made sense. Let's jump over to Frasier and yeah. watch that. It's a little bit weird. He's all alone. Where's Sam? Where's Diane? But uh, they showed up. Uh, and then <laughs> this new series, uh, David Hyde Pierce is not in it. So Niles yeah. is not a part of this and Daphne's not a part of this. Uh, yeah. But they do a good job of making up for that with new characters. And yeah, it's it's been enjoyable. It's been funny. I've laughed. Um, but then he shows up here and he's Dr. Hank McCoy. And uh, he's the Beast. And he's very CGI. I noticed he had a haircut. <laughs> the thing is, with you know, talking style here, um, the effects is still not not quite perfect. There's yeah. some good effects going on, but not quite perfect. And yeah. yeah. So, what does this all mean? It means that we have a I, alternate. Actually, I have an, I have another thought about post credits. Oh. So towards the end of the movie, we uh, also get a Kate Bishop cameo. Yeah, that should have been a post-credit scene. That should have been a post-credit. I mean, I I would say keep the X-Men because that would be a bigger draw for the audience and people leave after the mid-credit scene. Keep the X-Men at the, as the mid-credit and then put Kate Bishop as the end-credit scene. I don't know why they didn't do that. I think because they wanted people to see it and they knew people were going to walk out of the theater. Uh, I that's, my that's, why. that's my guess. That's my guess. Because it felt like a, a post-credit scene. 
It's supposed to. It probably it's was directly referencing point. the first one. Yeah, it, it probably was an end credit scene at some point, and they just they're like, "Oh, we know people are going to walk out." Yeah, <sighs> yeah. And they did say in some of the commercials I've seen for it, you know, you want to stay, see what's coming next, but yeah. All things considered, this post-credit scene, it, it, it does tie, this is the one kind of tie into Loki, which is you have this branch, this mm, yeah. timeline branch. And who and is Dr. it? Strange. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just being because of the weekend. Yeah. That they moved it from being, you know, aligning with Secret Invasion, they move it to align with Loki. Well, it's, you know, Loki is all about the timeline variants. <laughs> There's a timeline variant here. And uh, Professor X is mentioned. They drop Charles's name and she wakes up. Her mom is there, but her mom is a superhero. And her mom doesn't know her. Yeah. Uh, well, they did mention earlier in the movie that the power beam hit Carol and not uh, Monica's mom. So I bet in this universe, just by circumstances, they switched and that's how they're different universes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, ah, that was one more thing I was going to say. I can't remember right now. Anything else from your notes? No, <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say. And it was awesome. Well, maybe Stuart will say it. So maybe, we are going to maybe. play Stuart's Stuart's recording. He sent us. He's on the road right now. This is we're in a weird place as far as the podcasting goes. Samantha with COVID, Stuart on the road, me just living life. <laughs> I don't really have any excuses for me, but this is why this is where we're at. But we wanted to make sure we talked about this movie. And we're going to be talking about Loki. I can't wait to talk about Loki. But before we get there, Stuart has some words to say about this movie. Hey, agents, this is Stuart. And I am in a hotel room. And unfortunately, the Wi-Fi in this hotel room is not great at all. So while Agent Samantha and Agent Ben got on the the recording software we use and were able to make a fantastic recording about the Marvels. I sadly was not. So I wanted to get on here and sort of tell you guys what I really liked about this film and sort of go through my thoughts on it real quick. Uh, so here's, I'm, I'm going to assume that they sort of went through scene by scene and talked about all the cool things and sort of made all the connections. I just wanted to tell you sort of my movie-going experience and, you know, go from there. You know, like, if I was actually able to be in that room virtually with Samantha and Ben. But unfortunately, I cannot. Okay, so I was able to see it on Thursday night uh, uh, for a pre-screening, which I guess they're not called pre-screenings anymore. I guess they're called... I mean, I don't even know what they're called anymore. They used to be like, it was a, you know, we're not going to tell anybody that we're doing this, but we're just going to do this little, there we go. But now it's like advertised. So I don't know. Anyway, Thursday night, saw it, was fun, was able to 
you know, get popcorn and pop and M&Ms. And it was a huge screen. Like, like I thought I've seen things on big screens, and I have. But to have this be so big, only about an hour and a half away from the house, was impressive. Normally, if I'm going to see a, uh, a movie on a big, big screen, you don't have to go to, like, Florida or, I don't know, Green Bay or something, but we that wasn't the case this time, and I was pretty impressed by that. There was a couple of other people in the theater, and we all laughed and cried and had fun, and overall, I think everybody in the theater really enjoyed the film. You didn't, I didn't hear any boos or any people talking about, you know, being upset or anything, you know, people laughed when they were supposed to laugh, and they gasped when they were supposed to gasp and and um it, i think it turned out pretty well so uh overall i don't necessarily think the marvel the marvel cinematic universe is in a bad place especially based off this movie okay things i really really liked we'll just hit a punch list i loved 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 the interaction between uh kamala khan and uh, Carol Danvers and Monica Rambeau loved it. The three actresses, Iman Villani, Brie Larson, and Tayona Paris, I hope that's how I pronounce her name, was magnificent. Uh, I can't think, honestly, honestly, I cannot think of a better time that the MCU has had that sort of triumvirate of characters. I can't. Can you? Ben, Samantha, can you guys think of that? No, you can't because it hasn't happened like that. You know, the Avengers are great, but they didn't have that emotional connection that these three characters did, that the Marvels did. You see what I did there? Yeah, that was fun. So that was my favorite thing. Um, I loved how, I really appreciated how they figured out how to use their powers and how to use their powers together. Again, you know, yes, Avengers in the Battle of New York did do that, right? But when you have such a small team, it's really important that you, that you work through those things and try to figure out how to work together to accomplish the goal. The, uh, the fight with Nick Fury in the space uh, elevator, the first one, completely negated any idea that we needed soups. What was that show? Secret Invasion. Yeah, no, we don't need that show. That shows, I mean, I want to see Nick Fury be super spy. I want it, but we're not going to see it. All we're going to see is Nick Fury and, and Goose. Let's... I enjoyed the goose thing, the goose egg, get it, but I was not like, okay, like that was fun, but it wasn't like super important to me. Speaking of Secret Invasion, I really wish they would have combined the the Darbon character and Gia from Secret Invasion, because I feel like basically they, they were the same character. Now, I, I I realize they're two different species and you can't really do that and I get it, but they practically looked identical. Don't get me wrong, I, I understood it, 
but I think they could have, there was an opportunity there to make it a little bit better. The dancing scene was my favorite. Favorite. I love how they used, it didn't, I mean, it was a musical, but it didn't turn into a musical. It was very Bollywood, where there is song and dance, but because you are in a place that sings and dances, right? Like, that's really cool to me. The the whole having to have Goose and all its kittens eat the the, the passengers, yeah, whatever. That was fine. Did you catch? This is a, this is a uh, for Ben and for Ben and Samantha. Although they're not going to listen to this in real time, so I don't know why I'm talking to them. But but when they were doing that scene, they were playing memories from cats. Yes, yes, they were. That was fun. Um, I I do appreciate the uh, sense of humor. Like it wasn't like it's a serious. It's a serious movie, right? Ish. But it didn't take itself too serious. I realized that there was another show that ended that we could be talking about. But that's not this show. So, oh, I guess we need to talk about the uh, end. I guess that's where we are in this little, little Stuart's thoughts on the movie. So, the end. I guess we have tossed salad and scrambled eggs. I guess that's what it is. I, okay, so I guess I, I, I wish I could be there to actually talk to Ben about this. It, it has been forever since I've seen the X-Men. And I don't remember Elsie Grammer being Beast in in those movies. He might have been later on. And I'm going to be honest, my my I am not caught up with the XCU with the X-Men cinematic universe. Uh, I keep trying to watch them and I keep failing miserably. I get to about, I think I get to days of future past and I'm just like, no, we're done. We're done. And I hear that's like the good one. So, you know, maybe, maybe I can power through a little bit, but what's interesting about this is she's in a different universe. So therefore she is not in the quote unquote, MCU universe, but that's what the multiversal war is all about, right? That's what, you know, we have uh, variants. That's what that's all about. So it's going to be very interesting to see where the MCU goes from here. And I, you know, can't wait. We're still going to be talking about them. And yeah, so this is Stuart signing off from a random hotel room and hopefully... The next time you hear me, I'll be able to have a conversation with Ben and Samantha. But this should do for now. So keep listening. Thanks, you guys. And I hope you have a great day. So that was Stuart calling in from on the road. Samantha, you have any final words about this movie? At least watch it on when it comes on streaming. Come on. I mean, it's a decent movie. It's worth watching at least once. I would also like to thank our Patreon patrons, Dave, Julie, Blessed Cheesemaker, Jeffrey, Andrew, and Tazzle. Thank you all so very much. And all I have to say is, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for spending time with us. We love doing this podcast. And you know, I have plans for this podcast. I have goals for this podcast. I have dreams for this podcast. 
I want to take this podcast higher, further, faster. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us. Now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail by calling 1-775-5-LEVEL-7. That's 1-775-553-8357. Or send us an email. Just send it to studioavery at gmail.com. You can also join us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven. The seven is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven. The seven is spelled out and become a Patreon supporter there. Get early access to episodes, get bonus material that doesn't go out on the regular feed. And if you do that, thank you so much. But once again, I want to thank everyone for joining us in the conversation. Thanks for listening and Godspeed. Samantha, I have in my grubby little hands a giant hardcover book. Marvel Studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, an official timeline, the definitive guide to the lore, timelines, and characters of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Follow the entire story of the MCU from before the Big Bang to the blip and beyond. Along the way, learn about the evolution of the Iron Man armors, the hunt for the Infinity Stones, and the triumphs and tragedies of the Avengers. This is the ultimate guide to the greatest cinematic universe ever created. Within, you'll discover what happened, where, and when. And it is published by DK, which has always done like uh, just lots of educational books, but also uh, licensed books, timelines for Star Wars and, and different things like that. But this one is quite a feat. It it is very detailed. It, you if you follow along and it's it's chronological order, like I said, from the distant past to the current day, uh, the current day being 2025, and it does mean that Secret Invasion is not in here. It does mean that Guardians of the Galaxy three is not in here. The timeline actually stops. With <laughs> this is kind of funny, the timeline stops with uh, 2025 Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. <laughs> Which we think that the reason it stopped there is because that's as, that's all the material that was given to them, the publisher. And the Werewolf editor. by Night is in here, though. Yeah, yeah, Werewolf it is. By Night is in here. Moon Knight's and, in here. Yeah, Moon Knight's in here. Let's talk about She-Hulk what is... is in here. Okay, so here's the thing. I started reading this book, the first sentence of the forward from Kevin Feige made me angry. I mean, angry. I was sick. I was had chills. I opened this book because I was also a little bit bored. I was running a fever. I read the first sentence and I was angry. Do well, you know let's read the sentence. Let's Do read you know the how hard it is? Like, when I'm sick, I don't usually don't care that much about a lot of things. Do you know how hard it is when I'm running to a fever to get me angry? It's I don't. Hard. I don't. It's, you don't. It's hard. 
I generally don't care about a lot of things when I'm that sick. And well, I was angry. Let's find out what Samantha cared about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. And it's, it's halfway through the first sentence, by the way. It is mind-boggling to think that the cinematic universe we've built at Marvel Studios justifies an entire timeline book. But after 30 films, eight series, eight, four eight. phases, that's, that's the word that and made me an angry. infinity saga, it felt like the right time to attempt a project like this. More importantly, eight, eight, eight series. Okay, I have a list of the eight series, and actually they miscounted. It's actually nine in this book, but I'll, we'll talk about that ninth series in a, series in a moment. Let me list off the eight series to you. WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk. Ben, would you please turn to page 38 and tell me what the ninth series is? Let's see here. Page 38. 38 and 39. No. This is not a series that they're talking about. This is Agent Carter, the Marvel one-shot. Still, it's not... I mean, because I, I read it as the series, because it mentions characters from the series. Does it? Yes. It mentions uh, the uh, character... Her boss. And he's not pictured, but he's in like the little notes. Yeah, but he's he was in that uh one shot, wasn't he? I I, di- I didn't read the one shot. No, the the short that they did um Agent Flynn who was played by Chad Michael Murray. That was Flynn? I think so, wasn't it? No. <laughs> Flynn was played by Bradley Whitford. He's from oh, the one okay. shot. He's from the one shot. That's where they did the thing where they're like, don't go on the mission. She goes on the mission and then she comes back and uh, Flynn is talking to Stark. And and they're making jokes about her. Oh, because I was looking at these pictures. I'm like, wait, this is from this is from the series. No, it's from her one shot. <sighs> OK, never mind. So it was a short. Well, okay, so let's let's talk about something else from his forward that addresses what you're talking about. When okay. you say eight, 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 eight. Yeah, that was the other thing, too. Second to Same. last paragraph on the multiverse note. We recognize that there are stories, movies, and series that are can- canonical to Marvel, but were created by different storytellers during different periods of Marvel's history. The timeline presented in this book is specific to the MCU's sacred timeline through phase four. But as Mm -hmm. you move forward and dive deeper into the multiverse saga, you never know when timelines just may crash or converge. Hint, hint, spoiler alert, which Mm. Mm -hmm. they do not mention in this book that I have seen so far. Uh, they don't uh, they don't mention um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man continuity or Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man continuity. Um, 
if you go over to the uh, the pages about um, No Way Home, uh, No Way Home, it does mention. Uh, actually, I think there's even a picture of one of them. It does talk about them. Uh, I gotta find it. Okay, so that is there's Moon Knight. I'm paging through right now. But yeah, if you go over to I can't find it. It was here. I did see it. I swear I saw it. Okay, there's... Well, I believe you that you saw it. Here's Doctor Strange. Okay. Yep, there's Tobey Maguire. There's Andrew Garfield. Or, yeah, they're in here. But it's, don't... But it's, it doesn't talk about their specific timeline. No, it doesn't. But, it just I mean, talks he's... about them being in this timeline with him. And yeah. so... Yeah, you you see Toby Maguire's face on page two seventy five, and you see Andrew Garfield in his Spider Man costume, uh, and they're also on pages. It's pages like. Uh, you really want to go back? Uh, I think it starts on page two seventy three and goes to page uh, two seventy seven. But yeah, it doesn't talk about their timelines, but they do. But in that movie, they do reference their own timelines and there are multiple. I mean, you also see Green Goblin. But the the point is, yeah. those five movies are now canonical to the MCU because of that movie. But those five movies are not. It's not part of examined the same timeline. in the same way that these other these other ones yeah. are. Yeah, I do appreciate when it gets into uh, Endgame, it branches off into these extra timelines that that uh, the different characters went to. So you have New York 2012, Asgard 2013, and Deep Space 2014. That as the different characters are going to the different places to get those Infinity Stones, and then it shows where the branches break off. And <laughs> there's some good design here. Oh yeah, and there's, and and through it all, in the middle of every single page is the sacred timeline. Yeah, and um, even in Loki, they they talk about in season one episode episode one about how those branches in in uh, Infinity or Endgame were meant to happen. They're they're part of the sacred timeline, even though they're branches. Yeah. Then you yeah. get into what if, and the what if actually does have its own timeline, but each one is like this little branches. So yeah. this branch, this is what happened in 1943. This branch this is what happened in 1988, and it works. It works. You know what else works? Do you remember when WandaVision came out and then the first season of Loki? Mm -hmm. There's a special sound effect that happens. In oh, does it? The... Yeah, go to page 236 and 237. Okay, Because there was that, that thunder sound that happens in the finale for both, se well, season one of Loki and the finale of WandaVision. Uh-huh. And then you have next to each other on opposite pages, 
there's WandaVision, and then there's Loki and Sylvie standing outside the Citadel. Or or the uh, He Who Remains Citadel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's no so, mention of the actual sound effect. No, but I mean, it, it confirms that the sound that these two things probably happened at the same time. Well, no, it, it doesn't. It actually confirms they don't. Because if you're following along the timeline oh, here, oh, that's right, yeah. Because there's dots on the timeline, yes. Yeah, so Loki's arriving at the Citadel at the end of time is at a certain point here, but then it's still a little bit further down the timeline before we get to the WandaVision. That's finale. right. And, and what happened in Loki is on that green timeline that's at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But still, I think it's interesting that you have Loki series and WandaVision. Actually, they're on the same page on 237. There's a picture next to mm-hmm. a picture of WandaVision. But I think that's interesting. That so, is I mean, interesting it that, that yeah. it dispels that. Because then the other thing was in No Way Home, there was a sound mm-hmm. that we were like, well, what if that's the third? Well, it's not. It's, it's way further down the timeline. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I have not looked at this as closely as you, but I did look into it to see like, what does it mention about shield? What does it mention about uh, Coulson? What does it mention about uh, our, our gang from ABC? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mention our gang. It from breaks ABC. my heart. It does they mention man thing. <laughs> it does mention man thing. Yeah. And it does but mention Coulson, me. but it mentions Coulson up through his death. Yeah. And that breaks my heart. I, I, I need to see the, MCU branch timeline book and I need it. And there, there also should be a volume two to this because they're continuing on with the MCU, the MC multi U. I can see them making another book easily, but that breaks my heart because we've spent all that time covering all this stuff. Well, and it's no longer part of the sacred timeline. It doesn't break my heart. It's a little bit irritating, but I still love it so much. Yeah. I still I mean, love it so much. Here's the here's the closest it gets to mentioning uh, our t- our TV show, Agents mm-hmm. of S.H.I.E.L.D. 2014, mm-hmm. The Fall of S.H.I.E.L.D., which we witnessed on our show. 2015, back in action. When the Avengers go into hiding after losing a battle against Ultron and the Maximoff twins in Johannesburg, Nick Fury arrives to formulate a plan to stop Ultron. The Avengers travel to Sokovia for a final battle, and Nick Fury and other former S.H.I.E.L.D. personnel join them using a reactivated helicarrier to transport civilians to safety. And who reactivated that helicarrier? Well, in one timeline, (laughs) it's Coulson and Friends. Which page is this? That is on page 121. 121, okay. So that's the other thing it does, is it also does these mini timelines. So this is a two-page spread that's a timeline about Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. specifically. And then uh, there's a couple other things like that where it says we're going to, like, PIM particles. There is a timeline for PIM particles. So... 
Is it a good book? Yes. Is it a heavy book? Yes. Is it an expensive book? Yes. It is a $50 book that I bought because I'm doing a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Would I have bought it otherwise? I probably would not have bought this if I was just watching as a fan. But why did I buy this book? Why did Samantha also buy this book? (laughs) We bought it for this right now that we just did. So, yeah. And it's fun to flip through. I mean, and you don't have to, because they break things down. And so you don't have to sit and read it from beginning to end. You can flip back and forth easily. No, this is the definition of a coffee table book that you can just set on the coffee table and enjoy at your leisure. A guest can come and take a look and say, oh, 1999, Aldrich Killian was on the rooftop waiting for Tony Stark. And the music, uh, I'm Blue, da da ba dee ba da do was playing. It doesn't say that in the book. <laughs> I forgot about that. But, I mean, it's also really a great resource for our podcast, which is the big reason why I wanted to get it. So if we're arguing about something and we're like, wait, when did that happen? We can just reach over for the book and open it up and find it on the timeline. Yeah. 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 And uh, Miss Minutes is all over this book. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> she also makes notes. Um, I think in S.H.I.E.L.D. it also mentions... Is there a one in for Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D.? I thought at some point it does mention it, but... The... The Hydra Shield timeline? Yeah. That was on page 120, 121. Okay. I thought something earlier about other events, but... Yeah. But I think if you flip back to... I'll have to find it later, but if you flip back to... It's early in the book when... Um... Uh... uh, uh the invents the Incredible Hulk when they cover the Incredible Hulk. Oh. Um. There Does is the show a Edward Norton. I don't recall. I don't think so. I'm but, gonna look. Keep yeah. going. But there is a mention about an email that was sent at the end, and on screen it says 2008, but Miss Minutes comes in to say. This was a blip in the timeline. It actually happened in two... The email was sent in 2010. Which, now that I'm saying the dates, I can probably find the page easier. There's the Harlem Brawl. There's the birth of the monster. There is Edward Norton and Liv Taylor. Tyler. Uh, But they don't show his face. (laughs) He's... It's the perfect shot of him. It's when they were in the the rock outcropping. And, yeah. Which page? That's on page 87. 87. Okay, I'm still, like, looking at Iron Man. Ms. Minutes has a little note here. Redline alert. Greetings. Y'all might have noticed that the email Bruce Banner sends to Dr. Stearns is dated June 12, 2008, and the military order sent to Emil Blonsky are dated 2007, but this seems to happen in 2010. This disruption in the timeline is one of the the TVA will have to investigate. Lickety split. 
that's where it is right there for you. Mm -hmm. That is yeah. fascinating, though, that Edward Norton did make an appearance here. But just the top of his head. <laughs> and Blonsky. Uh, yeah. But he was funny. He was he was funny in She-Hulk. He was one of the highlights. I kind of wanted him to be better, but there was also all those little red flags in the beginning. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to shut this down, Samantha. Yeah. So thanks for uh, geeking out with me about this book here. And we You're will welcome. probably be using this as a resource in the future. But uh, for now, we're moving forward. Yep. And that means next episode, we're going to be talking about episodes three and four of Loki. So if you have any thoughts about that, send it to studioavery at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, Godspeed. <laughs>